0: What's going on, everybody? I hope this finds you striving and thriving and doing absolutely amazing. My name is Brian Martin, and I'm the host of the Teaching Champions podcast. And today, I have a wonderful interview for you, and it's one that is near and dear to my heart. I was lucky enough to connect with Jessica Salm, and she is the 2022 Arkansas Teacher of the Year. She's a special education teacher in a self-contained classroom, and her students range from kindergarten to fourth grade. And most importantly, she's a mother and a military wife. And she dropped some gems in this interview from how we can best serve all our students in the school, the power of communication and collaboration, and how we can best serve children who are in military families. There's a lot of great takeaways, so I hope you enjoy. What's going on, everybody? I am here with Jessica Sam, and she is an amazing educator, and this is going to be a fantastic podcast. Jessica, welcome to the Teaching Champions podcast.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, It is our pleasure to have you. And this is going to be a fantastic interview because you have so much to share. And you have a unique and pretty special story. Would you mind giving us a little of your background and how you came to where you're at today?
1: Sure. So I um, am a kindergarten through fourth grade special education teacher at Stagecoach Elementary School in Cabot, Arkansas. And I am the 2002 Arkansas Teacher of the Year. Uh, But teaching was not a first profession for me. So I went to college right out of high school. And after about a year, I dropped out and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I married my husband and moved to Arkansas. I worked, I went to a trade school and worked at an esthetician in a day spa, but my husband always encouraged me to finish my college degree because I never had. And so um, I had a real passion for working with students with exceptional needs and diverse learners. And so I finished my college degree 10 years after I started it. Um, With a preschool through fourth grade general education and special education uh, teaching license. And so uh, after graduating, we moved just a few months later to Germany and uh, my husband's active duty military. So that was his next assignment. And I worked as a paraprofessional, a teacher's aide with a student with autism in Mm -hmm. elementary school there. And then I stayed home with my children until we moved back to Arkansas. Uh, my daughter began getting speech services at preschool and so when she started getting those services I had an opportunity to sit on the other side of a special education meeting um, and it was it was really eye-opening and a really unique experience for me to hear words like severe and profound in regards to my own child's development when regards to delays and mm-hmm. so um With that, though, they needed someone to fill a long-term substitute position working with early childhood special education services. And so I did that for the remainder of the year. Um, I went and taught one year at an elementary school just as a pre-K teacher in a general education setting. But really, my heart was being pulled back to special education. And so the next year, I was in the setting that I'm in now, which is, like I said, as a preschool through, or I'm sorry, kindergarten through fourth grade, Mm -hmm. uh, self-contained special education classroom. So it few different careers and a, a little bit longer of a journey to find that passion and that calling, but I can't imagine doing anything else now.
0: That's awesome. And I think uh, your journey is so special and it it makes us really think about our teaching. And I, I look at, you know, you, it took you 10 years be, to get that college degree. So that, that was a journey. And then you go over to Germany and you have that, uh, part is being a paraprofessional. So you get to view it from that lens. And then you talk about being in those special education or those uh, meetings and being on the parent side. And I think that's important for all of us to really be cognizant of what it is like for the parents to be on that side of it. Absolutely. And, uh,
1: it's made me really think about the language I use when talking to parents because um, education, I mean, we have so many acronyms and special education mm-hmm. even more. And so um, when I'm talking to to a parent about a student and when we're reading these evaluations, you know, what words are we using that are really describing what a child can do, not just what we're saying that they can't do yet. Um, And I think that was a really important uh, experience for me to have to make me a better teacher and a better partner to the parents that I work with as well.
0: Yeah, I love that, you know, focusing on and letting the parents know, because it's got to be hard sitting in those meetings and just hearing what they can't do, but really focusing and letting them know, you know, your child can do this.
1: Absolutely, We get paperwork when a new student places. And so often it's a list of can'ts. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have made a really big effort whenever I'm writing my IEPs, my individualized education programs for students that every part I add, make sure to add in all the amazing things they can do because it's just a snapshot. It's just a piece, but we limit students so much and we focus so much on where they're not, uh, where their strengths are not at that that's, that's not what parents need or want to hear. And it's not what another teacher needs to hear exclusively from me either.
0: Absolutely. Planning those seeds letting people see their shine as well. And I love that. So what's your day? You have, uh, interesting, because you have multi-ages inside your classroom. So what's your day like?
1: It, it can be pretty hectic. <laughs> we, <laughs> um, the best, the most important thing we found, and uh, you know, COVID kind of changed how students worked. We, we did a ton of centers when I first started in the class. Um, mm-hmm. And COVID changed that we could not all be working with the same materials all the time. So we were doing a lot more at our desks. And then, as restrictions started to ease, we could have some centers and some more collaborative work again. But I think we found that we needed to be very deliberate about those workspaces and what we were using to support student learning, and make sure yes, there's definitely a place for fun and creativity, but what are these resources doing to enhance student learning? Um, but because we do have you know kindergarten through fourth grade students are going all throughout the day to their general education classrooms for activity, lunch, recess, sometimes phonics or shared reading or science, whatever will benefit them the most and and their learning goals. But we do start every morning together. And that is Mm -hmm. something we have just prioritized this year. Uh, There was a lot of social emotional gaps because of COVID. Um, You hear a lot about learning loss, but for my students, it wasn't as much academic as it was social. And some of those difficulties and so we come in, we, you know, we go into a routine that we put all, all of our things away. There's always something on their desk for them to work on. Uh, it might be a fun coloring sheet that's themed for whatever we're working on, or something else to support their learning. But then we all come to the carpet and we start every single day with a song and with dancing. I just made up my mind that you know, joy is a choice and my mindset matters and my mindset affects everyone else's day when they come in. And so I think it's pretty hard to be sad and to be um, down if you are dancing and moving. And I, I love music. And I just think that if we can start every day with a pause on a positive note, if kids are coming to school tired or frustrated, if I'm coming to school, because my own children and I have argued, it's really hard to stay in that negative space if we're dancing and singing. And it, it really has been a, a great addition to our routine um, students know what day it is. Even if is. They've always struggled with the days of the week. Mm-hmm. They know it's move It Monday. They know it's taco Tuesday. Um, and they're they're ready for it. And they don't want to miss that part of our day. And it just, it, it brings us all together. It joins us in. And we, we spend about 30 minutes all together meeting, doing different learning targets, sharing a book, talking about the day. And then everyone starts kind of working on what they need to be successful. We go through the center rotations. We work individually with my self-repair professionals. And then we have students coming in and out of the classroom with their grade, going out with their grade level peers, and then working with different therapists. So it's kind of a revolving door of activity all day long. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and you know, I I love the piece where you where you talk about starting the day off on that positive note. And we're always responsible for the energy we bring, and the students feed off of it. But I think you bring up something important that uh, maybe you get your day doesn't start off with the right note. But if we get that that movement, that joy, get a little music playing, something that a little routine that can snap us out of if we're in a funk or if a students in a funk, it's a great way to start your day.
1: Absolutely. And we're huge fans of Cuckoo Kangaroo. That's like our we love their music, we love to dance um and that just it's it's hard not to have fun when you're doing those things and you just can carry that positive energy forward into everything else we
0: do. Absolutely. Now, what are uh some ways that you found to be most successful in your classroom and then your students are pushing out as well. What are some ways that you've found that you can um, be successful with the other teachers in your building?
1: So I was very fortunate that the teacher that was in my classroom before me still works in my school. She is a first grade teacher now, which happens to be the hallway that my classroom is located on. And so I had someone who could at least guide me and and share with me what had worked for her and be more than just a coworker, but a friend. Um, And so one thing she shared and that I have continued to do is that every year I make a get to know me card about my students. And I give that to their general education classroom teacher, to the activity teachers, to the administrators, to anyone who may come in contact with them. And it could be something as simple as, You know, hey, if I'm having a really bad day, my fingernails are always painted beautiful colors. Just acknowledge them, ask to see them, and that might help me come out of it. Or, you know, I need something, an encouragement, a fidget to hold in my hand as we're walking, so that I can keep self, you know, some self control and not poke or bother a friend. Just little cues that can give them something to connect with that child. That's more that's on their IEP. It's not something you're going to find in traditional paperwork but it helps them be better prepared to support students. And if they can have that in their hands before the school year even begins, they're going to be so much better prepared to do what's right for kids. It's not just about what's required for accommodations or modifications in their IEP. It's about what really helps that child as an individual. Um, And I I think that special education teachers often feel like guests going into general education classrooms. Mm -hmm. But those teachers are relying on us they're relying on our expertise and our experiences so that they can do their job as well as possible and so just that collaboration piece at any time i think why is this not working or how could this be better so much of it comes back to collaboration and partnerships with those general education teachers they are experts in the curriculum oftentimes if they're teaching fourth grade reading you know, literacy and I'm teaching kindergarten through fourth grade, I'm not mm-hmm. always going to be able to give that amazing content um, curriculum knowledge. I'm not going to always have that. But I do have ways to accommodate the student and support the student. And how can we take this curriculum, give it to them in a way they can understand, and then assess their knowledge in something that's a little bit more attainable for them. So anytime I've struggled, if I can find that peer, that partner in the building, We can bounce ideas off of each other. Students win and teachers feel more successful as well because we're both using our strengths in order to do what's right for kids.
0: Absolutely. That collaboration piece is huge. And, And
1: there's so many problems, you know, it just, it really solves, it solves so many of our issues in school when we can work together and partner and use our strengths to make the classroom, the school, the community a better place.
0: Absolutely. Now, have you found ways since you're, you're in a, every single day, like a, time wise, time is always a crunch. Is there any like tips or strategies that you have like collaborating with uh, that time piece, keeping that in mind?
1: That is definitely the most difficult thing. And I think special education teachers, because whether they're resource or self-contained like I am, we're not always on the same schedule. And mm-hmm. so finding that, you know, that professional learning community time. That that team planning time doesn't always happen. I'm very lucky that my current administrator has made a priority that we have um, like 30 minutes once a week at least to all get together, and it may just be a time that we're taking a breath. Like I'm exhausted; these conversations right. are hard. But it's a person that understands to you know to work with you on. As teachers, sometimes we're scared to to ask for help or to admit we we aren't handling something well, and so I found that if I can go you know, go to my principal or go to another administrator and say, hey, can I sit in? Can we get coverage for my class? Or can I, my paraprofessionals can handle it this time. Can I sit in and see what this grade level is doing? Be a part of their meeting. A lot of times they can help accommodate that. Uh, We just have to be willing to ask for help. It's not always going to work. um, But if we don't let it know, be known that we need that time and need that support, we're not going to get it. So just kind of putting your pride aside and be willing to say, I need help, I need I need extra time or I need someone to support me in this so I can better understand what students are learning and and what I need to know to be able to teach them.
0: I love that because, you know, I feel that sometimes, too, where your pride gets in the way. You don't want to look like you can't handle a situation. So instead of asking and saying, hey, I need a little extra help, you just uh, keep going down that same path where we can open so many doors if we're just a little vulnerable and honest. Yes. And I just want to circle back to I loved how you talked about that. You uh, give like those cards to the teachers, you know, get to know me cards, something that can break uh, me out if I'm in a funk, whether it's the fingernail piece or or some little talking point, because we always say like relationships matter. And uh, your students might push into my classroom for just a small window of time, so I don't have that opportunity to to maybe connect with them as much as the students are in my class for the majority of the day. So something small like that, just a little peek into to their life, I love that.
1: And I think too, I, I try to include um, because students will have different needs and they'll be at different levels of ability. And so I'll put a note in there. Hey, I will come with a paraprofessional. But when I'm in my in your class, you are the boss. So unless you need the paraprofessional to support, you know, have the same expectations of me, or it might say, you know, but if I'm struggling with this, let my paraprofessional help me. Just so they know, because sometimes we don't know if we haven't all had time to sit down, we don't know where those lines of who should be in charge and who should be handling behavior concerns. Uh, you know, I think it's helpful to let teachers know this student can handle your redirections, and they're working on maybe moving into. Less services and less supports. So they need to learn to listen to a different adult. Um, It just makes that special, that general education teacher feel like they have, they're empowered to do what's best for kids more as well. And so, again, that just that open communication, it makes such a difference. And I always put my cell phone number on there in case they don't have it. Call me if there's a problem. Just call me and I'll come down. Uh, I don't ever want them to be afraid to ask for help either.
0: Absolutely. And that's great. And, uh, you know, you were a paraprofessional before, so I think that gives you a, a good insight as well. How about that collaboration with the paraprofessionals, because they play such an important role in our classrooms as well?
1: I don't know what our schools would do without them. Um, I am so fortunate to work with the teachers, that, that most paraprofessionals in my classroom, my co-teachers. And even throughout our school, we have um, three different classrooms that have the special education classrooms that have paraprofessionals in them. And just how we work together to say, hey, we both only have one kindergarten student. Can one of our paraprofessionals go in to support them here? So we're maximizing our staffing, um, and we're ser- you know we're serving students better. And again, we don't need two of our students most of the time with one-on-one paraprofessionals in this setting. We need it, you know, that we need to have experiences as close to as typical as possible, so they can get used to age-level peers and peers in a less restrictive setting. And so, you know, our schools are so fortunate to have amazing paraprofessionals. And I just, I wish they had more respect and more appreciation and better pay. I mean, I have to give that plug because we would not be able to do what we do without them.
0: absolutely 100% agree with that, 100%. Now, what are ways that uh, we can best serve those students who come from military families? Because I know this is near, near and dear to your heart. How can we best serve them?
1: You know, I think depending on the community you're in, we live near Little Rock Air Force Base. And so there is a large number of military connected families and the school liaison officer on base and the schools here are pretty well equipped to support students. But that's not going to be the case everywhere. You might, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about having just a a family that's connected to a local area, but they're not near a big air base. Um, a recruiter or someone coming in for a special assignment. And so there's not always going to be those resources. The first thing I would advise um, schools and military families as well, because they don't all know about it, is to be comfortable and aware um, of something called MIC-3. It's the Military Interstate Children's Compact Mission. And it is a compact between all 50 states, about different ways that we can ensure military families are supported when they're moving between duty assignments. And that's, so that might mean An Army family is going to come be stationed at Little Rock Air Force Base, and they haven't been as familiar with the policies and practices of the the Air Force community. They should connect with that school liaison officer on base and see about the resources that are there. If it's a high school student and they're moving in their senior year, what if all those credits are not going to line up and they're not going to be able to graduate on time? That compact helps schools and helps states look at transcripts. What course could we take to cover this extra math that wasn't required in Texas? What can we do to make sure the student is not going to be punished or penalized because their parent is serving our nation? Um, so I make sure military families know about that. But as far as teachers, we need to understand kids are coming. Different states have different social norms and expectations on top of those curriculum differences. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in my class, most students know to say yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am. That's kind of just an expectation. I like that, yes. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> uh, my own children, you know, that's just that's just kind of how they were raised, and so it's just kind of how we talk. But you go somewhere else, and that no one is saying ma'am or sir. Um, both of my children were born in Germany, and I remember us moving back, and I said, "Oh, we're going to go to the beach this summer with my parents, and we're going to go to Myrtle Beach in South Carolina." And my son said, we aren't going to Greece. And I was no, son, probably never, ever <laughs> because it's not a, you know, a hundred euro flight from Germany where we had previously lived, but he had no concept of that. And so mm-hmm. there are so many different expectations and different norms, but let these kids, these children from elementary to high school have some amazing experiences and amazing insight on the world. Let them share that and let them have that voice when they come into your classroom it might help them connect with another student or have an opportunity to shine in a way that they didn't before. It could be that icebreaker for them. So, you know, utilize their knowledge. If, if the curriculum they were on before is further along than you were on, let them be the buddy, the peer tutor in the class to help other students. So now they're immediately needed and wanted to be a support. Um, and if they are a little bit behind from where your district is teaching and learning, then have somebody partner with them. That gives them a friend and it's just so easy to find ways to connect students to make sure they have those resources to feel a part of whatever community they're in. It might only be a year or two, but they still deserve to feel valued and honored and and to have their needs met.
0: Absolutely and I love that and uh, it's so important like you said, they need to feel like they belong to that community. and that's hard like when you're a, a transient child and you, you don't have root in one place, so you're only staying there for a couple of years. Moving on, like you said, mid year, the different cultural norms. And I wanted to read this real quick. Uh you had posted this, your Twitter feed. And I think it's really important because my military background, I, I was in the military and I was treated very well. Like uh I think the soldiers, the airmen, they they are treated pretty good with with a lot of respect. And what we don't realize sometimes is the military, it isn't just the soldier. It's the family and it's uh, you posted it and it was in the military officer magazine and they said the real heroes are the children. And it, it just says, if anyone deserves recognition and appreciation for their selfless service, it is military children born in military hospitals around the globe. They will learn far too young. Goodbyes will be frequent and difficult. At some point in their toddler years, they inev- inevitably will hug a camouflage leg of someone other than their uniformed parent by mistake. They will move repeatedly, usually at the precise point in time when they feel most settled. So I, I thought I read that, and that's extremely powerful. And, you know, like uh, we were talking earlier, I'm in a remote area, so we're not used to too many um military children coming in out but we do have them or if you have a national guard unit that gets activated and all of a sudden that parent isn't there that we're we're as educators cognizant of that and recognize on that social emotional piece that uh, they might have those struggles but I also love when when you said that they have special things and experiences. Let's bring them in and share like your children. Let's share those years from Germany and all of that background knowledge and what you've experienced. So there's there's a ton of ways that we can bring that to our classroom.
1: There are. And I, I told someone the other day, um, because my husband is temporarily not with our family mm-hmm. right now, that um, I think some of the biggest struggles we think about. Uh, when he left and, you know, people just embraced us, our school, our church, our local community, friends checked on us. But we have to remember, too, that coming home is really difficult. And I think um, the, the military return has been very romanticized. You see in movies and all these, these things. But The family is figuring out how to be a family again. And so where you may not see any behavior or even academic concerns early on or during the deployment, when they're coming home, families are trying to you know, figure out how to reconnect. And those roles are changing. Uh, my son more than once has said, "You know, I'm going to be the man of the house, and I- and I'm going to help. I'm going to do these things." Well, that's not his job. He's a child. You know, he doesn't mm. have to. But then, when you know, when dad comes home, he has to kind of figure out how to step back and let dad do those things again. And especially with an older student, so just just remembering those families that not just while one or two, one or other the parents are gone, but when they come home too, that there's always going to be that adjustment time, and continue loving them. And I mean, all students need grace and sometimes those behaviors that you see, you hear, you know, often the cause of the behavior will make you cry, not be mad anymore. Um, so just, just giving some grace with those extra times that we don't always understand can be difficult as well.
0: Absolutely. And uh, you know, I agree a hundred percent. I think uh, it is romanticized that, that coming home, you, you see the videos of the, the soldiers embracing their families and everything. And I know for myself, like uh, after that moment, you go home to that house and for me, I was gone for fifteen to sixteen months, and then like the world kept moving on, yes. but but I'm coming back almost like that that place before. And it, there's that readjustment, and like you said, especially for the families, like uh the the family's got to get reintegrated and everything. And also, you know, on those deployments, being uh, aware of like the spouse that all of a sudden has to take on the role of both parents, take on the role of running the home. That's a lot on that spouse. So showing grace to the students and grace to that spouse that's at home as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they can't do it all. They can never fill that total role as that parent. But they are certainly trying. And I mean, that, if it's a, a dad, we have tons of women that are active duty as well. A dad. Absolutely you know, maybe doesn't do the daughter's hair every morning. And now he's thrust into that primary role. It, it can be really challenging. So I think that's a great point. The parents are going to need a little bit of that patience and understanding
0: as well. Well, excellent. Thank you for spreading that message for everyone and making that out there. Now, you also, so you've been a busy woman because teacher of the year, and I know you had a big week in Washington, D.C., and I would absolutely, and I know the listeners would love what was that week like?
1: It was probably one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. Um, you know, you're showing up as an adult. I have not done as much social stuff in the last few years like most people because of COVID. I love to travel. I love to do those things. And we haven't done as much of it. But you're showing up as an adult uh, with 50 plus other teachers from all over the country. Each state was represented, plus our territories Department of Defense teacher came from Korea and you gather together and you are ready to learn and grow and just meet 50 of your brand new best friends. Um, It was so encouraging and so energizing because we were all we're all exhausted. If any teacher tells you they're not exhausted (laughs) this time of year, they're not telling the truth. But that positive energy of what's happening in their state, what they're experiencing, the opportunities they've had. Um, And to all be together and share in that energy, I mean, you could feel it every time you walked into a room. Um, We were encouraged. We were taught. Uh, We had former teachers of the year that would come and share with us. Um, We learned different strategies to help be better state teachers of the year. And then we had um, an opportunity to go to the White House to meet with the president and first lady. Um, We had a day set up on Capitol Hill where we could meet senators and congressmen and women from our own states and from a neighboring state i was partnered with the teacher from louisiana and then we had a gala where we were just honored and celebrated um it was incredible and i um we have a few other experiences we go to space camp together this summer i will stay awesome we'll, we'll <laughs> tell this we'll stay in <laughs> together but again like what a great experience to be you know with these these teachers who are their best in their state right now, I mean, to, to think these are the best, the best right now, they are doing so much for education. They're doing so much for students. And I have so much I can learn and take back from them. Um, I found myself, you know, with the teacher of the year from Wyoming, Nebraska, Kentucky, Alaska, you know, just to sit together and talk. And these men and women that I never would have met otherwise, that we have completely different backgrounds completely even different beliefs on different things but to have what you are saying be respected and appreciated and sometimes challenged i mean there's no other way to grow um and so i'm i'm so encouraged by it and i know these are like 50 plus of my brand new best friends and i cannot wait to continue learning with them and growing with them
0: that's awesome and i love like a uh taking people from all across the, you know, the country. And like you said, different walks of life, sharing different ideas. We all teach uh, different subjects and sometimes the best ideas can come from just bouncing off of ideas with people that might not be at your specific grade level. Could be a completely different grade level, but they open your mind. And also I love the piece where you said you got together, you had real conversations challenged each other but were respectful towards one another. The- yes, and that
1: we don't see that right now. You know, there's so much <laughs> right now. If you don't disagree, you know, we automatically aren't getting along. Well we all, I mean, we all disagree on certain things. We are not teaching the same way. We are not believing necessarily all the same things, but we can respect one another. And what I mean that is that is how it should be. That is what this is all about. That is at the end of the day, um, and we, I said this when we, were, when we were at our Capitol Hill meetings, talk to teachers, ask us what we need, ask us what we want, even if you don't end up using that idea, even if you disagree with that idea, you've respected me enough to hear what I have to say, to value my experience, my education, my expertise, and at least now you have that information to go and do something with it uh, if you so choose. But you know, sometimes we, our ideas have to be challenged, um, and, and sometimes someone's going to think of something. I know um, Cabby is one of the teachers from Wisconsin and he said, well, have you talked, we were talking to military issues. He said, well, have you talked from Rachel, the department of defense teacher about this? And I was like, no, why haven't I? Why didn't I think of that? He's like, yeah, you should do that. I'm like, yes, I should have already. (laughs) But just, I needed someone else to say, why haven't you thought of this? And it was fantastic. So it's just so encouraging and we need that positivity. You know, we, we do get tired this time of year, we are run down and to be encouraged and supported by people that are just also in this with you, but are so amazing and so love what they do with, it was just the most empowering experience I've had in a really long time.
0: That's great. That piece, like leaning into others. Sometimes we don't have it, but if we can feed off of others energy and ideas, great things can happen. Yes. And I, I think that leads into a, a great question. You are, a mom running the household right now as your husband's on deployment, like you said, at this time of the school year. And I know um, you have one week left after this, I believe. (laughs) So we're all tired. How do you um, keep that positive mental framework or positive mental state during this time?
1: You know, I think for me personally, I need movement. Like I talked about in the morning, we start our days with dance and music. I wake up every morning and exercise before school, which I know most people like shake their head at me. Like, what are you thinking getting up that early? But just that for me is my time alone to set my mind on the day. I'm choosing to do something for myself. So I'm not pouring from an empty cup. I'm putting into myself something positive, something that makes me feel better. And then I'm able to take that energy into the day. So I'm not you know, getting out of bed at the same time as my kids and we're running around and all going crazy at the same time. And that sometimes still happens. But I'm taking that time for myself to make sure my mindset is set on positivity for the day. Um, I also I chose before I get out of bed every morning for me I take time to pray. I pray for everyone in my family and to pray for myself. But I don't touch my phone right away. Uh, I found that I was Mm -hmm. waking up going straight to Facebook and straight to the news and just flooding with things that weren't positive. Um, And so I took that minute to set my mind on positivity for the day and then do something for myself. And I feel like that really makes a difference and how i can carry into everything else i do um, and so with even thinking about that with summer with teachers about to go on summer break find something to do for yourself whether it's that netflix show or that book or something a trip we have to we have to take care of ourselves and that doesn't mean neglecting the other responsibilities and other people it just means that we're able to do what's best for others because we've taken
0: some time for ourselves as well that's fantastic now, Jessica, how, if the listeners want to connect with you, what are the best ways that they can connect with you?
1: Um, I'm on Twitter, Jessica Psalm, S-A-U-M. Uh, I'm the Arkansas Teacher of the Year. So that kind of makes it easier to find. I also have an Arkansas Teacher of the Year Facebook page. So either one of those is a great way. Um, and then you, you can link my email address too, to this when you post it, but it's uh, oh. jessica.salm at cps.k12.ar.us. So it's kind of long. Uh, but I would love to connect with others. Um, I, I have a year sabbatical from the classroom that starts July 1st. So it's kind of this bittersweet. I'm hanging on to every last minute in the classroom for the next year. Um, but I have a whole year to work with other teachers and to see what people are doing and, and learn from them. I don't want to just be going around teaching my experiences. I want to steal all of your amazing ideas and bring them back to my classroom and my community as well, because I know There are teachers out there doing things that I haven't even thought about. So I would love to connect with as many people as possible and just take every minute of the next year to become a better teacher and a better leader um, for my not just for my own community, for my state and for our country.
0: I love that. I think uh, I'm excited for you for this coming up year. I think uh, great things are headed your way.
1: I'm very excited about it.
0: Awesome. And uh, the last question if listeners could walk away with one thing from this episode, what would you want that to be?
1: Um, I really think that we have to remember. I've always, you hear schools talk about like, we're here for the kids, we're here for all kids. And remembering that all really means all. It means your diverse learners, it means your English language learners, it means your students who are never going to go to college but need to be equipped to enter the workforce or the military or a trade school, whatever that is. So when we're thinking about what we're doing best for students, it really needs to be what is best for all uh, and and collaborate to make that happen. When we work together, we really can meet all students' needs and understand that their success is going to look different. We're going to have to teach them in different ways to achieve that success for them. But when we partner together, we're we're pretty unstoppable.
0: Yes, we are. And uh, I love that. Jessica, thank you. You know, this is the first time we met, but I love the positive energy that you give off. This has been an amazing conversation. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you to your husband. But like we said before, the family serves. So thank you so much for your service, for your your children's service. Thank you for serving the children of your school and what you do for them. And thank you for serving all of us. And I know that you're going to go use this year and spread just a great message. One one that all of us needs to hear. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: This was such a great interview with Jessica. And you can just hear her wisdom and her passion pour through her. And she dropped a ton of gems in this interview. So let's get into the Teaching Champions take, where I share three of my biggest takeaways. Now, the first gem is how she talked about the power of asking for help. That vulnerability piece in education can be extremely difficult, especially as you become a more veteran teacher. Because it's not always easy to say that you're not quite sure how to handle something and to go ask for help. But it's something that we should be doing. Because in our schools... And within the people that we connect with online, there's so much knowledge and experience. And every single one of us has faced different challenges, and we might be able to provide each other some insight. So I love the fact that she highlighted going to seek help and not always trying to find the solution on our own. The second gem that I loved is how she talked about that collaboration piece. And she gave a great example of collaboration with those you work with through the Get to Know Me cards that gave regular education teachers little insights into the children that might push into their classroom. She also talked about how many new ideas came from talking with other teachers of the year when she was in Washington, D.C. And I loved how Jessica highlighted that these people They came from all walks of life. They taught in different areas. But just by sitting down and bouncing ideas off of one another, they were able to come up with so many new insights. And another piece of this that I thought was extremely powerful is she said, they didn't all share the same beliefs. They had different thoughts. But they were all respectful towards one another. And they all gave each other the opportunity to be heard. Finding that group that can fuel creativity and that group that helps light that spark within you is huge. And the third gem that I took away from the interview was all about the military families and how we can best support them. That we should have an understanding that these champions are being uprooted every few years and how hard that can be. So we should find ways that we can help them find that sense of belonging. That we should recognize the different life experiences that they may have had and try and incorporate that into our day. And that we should also be showing grace to these children, especially if their parent is deployed. And even have that understanding that when that parent does come back into the family unit, that there's an adjustment process and that has to take place, and that can affect how that child shows up to school. And these were just three of many gems that I took away from this interview. I would love to hear what your favorite takeaway was, so hit me up on social media and let me know. Thank you for listening and being part of the Teaching Champions community. We support, we encourage, we lift each other up, And this is an episode that means so much to me. And if you would share it to bring more awareness on how we can support children that come from military homes, I would be extremely grateful. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so it can come to you right when a new episode drops. And always remember, whether you're from rural America to urban America to Canada to Spain to Bahrain, We're all on that same team. We're all on that same mission. And we're always better together. Keep being amazing, my friends. And as we go out into the week, may you step into your strength. May you step into your shine. And let's build our champions up. Have a great week, everybody.